Christians. You know, we don't want, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. And so we, we, we come to the Lord and we say the sinner's prayer. We're sealed. We're good. We're good to go. We're going to go to heaven. And that from that point on, it's kind of like the farmer talking to Mabel. All right, Lord, I surrendered. I, I gave my life to you, and then we go on our way. But there's no development in the relationship between us and God. So, very dry. My throat. Um, Adam in the garden had an awesome relationship with God. They talked and with each other and communicated. I don't know what all the conversations were. I can speculate some. God's talking with Adam, and God says to Adam, hey, look, I, got, I, I put all these animals out here. Why don't you go ahead and name them? And so there's this wonderful relationship between God and Adam walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Nothing separates them. There's absolutely nothing that, that comes between them. And then you all know the story. Um, the serpent comes in and begins to talk to Eve, uh, deceives her. She takes of the fruit that she's not supposed to. She gives it to Adam. He takes of the fruit, and then that brought a separation between mankind and God. Isaiah 59.2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. You and I were separated from God by our sins. We were separated from God. Fast forward to the cross. And here's Jesus on the cross. And at this very end, and, and uh, this is recorded in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 15, verses 37 and 38. And it says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. What does that mean? Well, the temple consisted of three different areas, general areas. There's a lot more involved in this, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into all of that. But there was the outer court. And if you and I were going to the temple... That's where we would be. There's no direct access to God. We would be in the outer court. It's called the court of the Gentiles. There, there were other places in there. The women, that's as far as they could go, was in this court of the Gentiles. And at that point, there's no direct access, no way to get to God. Okay? The inner court, even in the inner court, that's where the priest went. And the priest would go in and, and, and do the, uh, the lighting of the, of the different things in there and... and but they didn't have direct access to God. Beyond the outer, uh, uh, the inner court, which is called the holy place, is the holy of holies. Okay, this is the place where represented the very presence of God. The very presence of God. And um, get this. Prior to Calvary, the only one that could go into the very presence of God was the high priest. And guess what? He couldn't go in there every day. One day out of the year 
one man, the high priest, could go into the presence of God, and he had to go in there with an offering for his sins, the sins of the priest, and the sins of all of the people. Once a year, one man has access to God. That veil that was rent stood between the holy place and the holy of holies. That veil was torn in two. And when that veil was torn in two, that was God saying, you welcome, you now have access to God. So, Romans 5, 10, you know, there's something to get excited about. You, if you, you need to understand what, what it means that you and I have direct access to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, Romans 5.10. Stick with me this morning. Romans 5.10 says this, For if we were enemies with God, we were enemies with God, we were reconciled through God, through the death of His Son, much more uh, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We were reconciled to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, Merriam-Webster's dictionary, a definition of um, reconcile is to restore friendship, to bring harmony to the relationship. So the reason that Jesus went to the cross and died, li listen, was it so we could go to heaven? Yes. But it was so you and I, our relationship with God was restored and we could have fellowship with God. We could be with God. We could spend time with God. We could talk with God. So Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection gave you and I direct access to God. You know what? I, if I wanted to see the president today, I couldn't. I couldn't even make it. I, if I wanted to see the governor, I probably couldn't. And whoever I wanted to see, I'd have to make an appointment in order to get access to them. But I have direct access to God. You know, a few years ago, me and my wife were so fortunate we were able to go see the, the uh, Celtic women. The, actually, the, actually, the uh, 10 year anniversary of the Celtic women. I love Irish music. I love Celtic music. I love the bagpipes and, and, the, and the, those drums that they play. And it, it was a phenomenal show. But just like most of the concerts, the rock concerts and stuff like that, you know, they have, they have the, the nosebleed section. You know, where you're so far away that you, if you really want to see anything, you need, you need a pair of binoculars. And, um, but then they have front row seats. And a few lucky ones get that. We, we had decent seats, but, you know, they had the front row seats. And um, a few lucky ones get the front row seats. But the chosen few get a backstage pass where they are able to come in and talk with the artist. God has given you and I a permanent backstage pass to his presence anytime, anywhere. God has an open door policy 24-7 where you and I can access him, where you can talk to him anytime you want to. We have a backstage pass to God's presence, and he has an open-door policy for you and I. What are we doing with that policy? Amen? So Hebrews says it this way in, um, 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. God's saying, come, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy in the time of need. I know none of us are ever in any uh, time of need. Amen? All right, bear with me here, and I'm going to um, try to use this contraption here. Okay. I love this translation. Jesus is having a conversation. This is in the book of John. And Jesus is having a conversation with um, um, the woman at the well. Everybody knows this story pretty much. Um, he's gone through Samaria, and um, he's having this conversation with this lady. And, and um, she, um, they're having a, he asked her, asked her for a drink of water. And, uh, and the conversation goes on. But I just, I, I saw something, and it just, I love this translation, the um, uh, Passion Translation. And this is what God says, or Jesus says to her. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you would ask me for a drink, and I would have given you living water. And I look, at that, I look at that passage, and I, I can almost hear it. Now, eventually, she does know who he is. And when, when she finds out who he is, she gets so excited, she drops her water pot, and she runs off to tell everybody, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. But Jesus, in his spe- speaking to her, said, oh, if you only knew who I was. If you only knew me, if you only knew who I was, and you knew what God wanted to do for you, your whole perspective would change. If you knew me, if you knew who I was, your whole outlook would change, and you would leave, your your mind would begin to think in spiritual matters, to set your affections on things above. And the things that you would be asking for, you know, the things that we have down here, in, in the book of uh, Matthew, it talks about it. God knows all of these things that we have, and he wants to meet our needs, the clothes, the food, and all of that stuff. But there are eternal things that we need to set our affections on. And here God, God is saying, Jesus is saying, hey, if you only knew who I was and what God wants to do in and through you. Now, I know he's referencing eternal life. I understand that. But it's so much more than that. What God wants to do through you and I. Amen? So, with that, why don't you just play that uh, first, um, first video there? Turn that up there, way up. Turn her up some more. Now, how many ever saw that, the Muppets Christmas Carol? Um, 
Obviously, that's the ghost of Christmas present. But, but what struck me is three times in that little 40-second clip, he says, come in and know me better, man. Come. If I thought there was something that God would be saying to you today, it would be saying, come in, man. Come in, woman, and know me better. Come in and know who I am. Come in and see what I want. You know, um, one of our favorite passages of Scripture that we quote here is Jeremiah 29, 11, says, I, where God says, I know the plans that I have for you. I don't want to harm you. They're plans for good to give you a hope and a future. How many here this morning could use hope? God wants to give you a hope and a, a, and a future, but we need to know Him. And, and uh, so, again, God, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to know about God. To know all of the things that he, He's, uh, you know, to know His attributes. But it's even a greater thing to know God. There's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. And the reason for Jesus on the cross and for the veil being torn is so that you and I would have direct access to God and we could know Him. We could have the kind of fellowship that Adam had with God where he said, look, I want you to, to name all these animals and have this intimate relationship with them. What does God want for you? You got to know Him. You got to know Him. Amen? Let's listen. I'm just going to run through a little bit of... Um, um, the heart of some of the great men of God. Very briefly, Moses, in um, Exodus chapter 33, um, verse 18, Moses is having a conversation with the Lord, and this is, what, this is what Moses says to God. He said, please show me your glory. Here's Moses. Now, I, I think about this and I get amazed. I, I, I think to myself, if I was God, I would be insulted. If I was God and Moses said to me, show me your glory, after what? After using him to go in and talk to Pharaoh and call down these ten plagues, then to get out and to go across the Red Sea, miracle after miracle, then to, to feed them in the wilderness... Uh, and their shoes, all of these miracles, and Moses has the nerve to say, show me your glory. And I'm thinking, huh, I'm surprised God didn't question. That wasn't what Moses was asking. I don't want to see your miracles. I know you're a miracle-working God. I don't, want to, I don't want to see all this. I want you. I want you. I want a relationship with you. I want to see you. I want to be with you. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. His heart was saying, I want to know you, God. I want to know you. Listen to David. What did, what did the Lord say about David? He said he was a man after his own heart. A man after his own heart. David says in Psalms 24, as the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul, as the deer pants for the water brook, my soul pants for you. 
my God, my soul, my soul thirst for God, for the living God, when I shall come and appear before Him. This is the heart of David, who saw all the miracles too. Who was a shepherd boy that God brought from being a shepherd boy to a king. His desire was to know. He says in Psalms 27 verse 4, One thing, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What for? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That I could see Him, that I could be with Him, that I could have a relationship with Him. And to gaze upon his beauty. Listen, how many has ever heard of Jim Elliot? He was a, a missionary that was martyred. They ran him through with spears trying to reach a group of people in South America. Listen to what he said. Jim Elliot, the martyred missionary, wrote in a personal journal, I walked out on the hill just now. It is exalting, delicious, to stand embraced by the shadows of a friendly tree and the wind tugging at your coattail and the heavens hailing your heart to gaze in glory and give myself once again to God. Oh, the fullness, the pleasure, the sheer excitement of knowing God on earth. I care not if I never raise my voice again for him, if only I may love him, please him, if only I may see him and touch him and touch his garments and see the smile on his face. It's not even about ministry. It's about knowing God. Listen, he's called us all to ministry and you will minister. You will be a servant. You will love people. But God wants a relationship with you. An intimate, loving relationship with you. Amen? Amen. Listen, we're going to talk about Paul a little bit now. And I'm not going to read the total prayers. But the, the, I'm going to read an excerpt of some of the prayers that Paul prayed for the churches. One, one is in, uh, in Ephesians where he prayed for the church in Ephesus. Another is in Colossians where he prayed for the church in Colossians. If you want to know how to pray for somebody, whoa. The, see, I'm not even going to read the whole prayer. It's, uh, the first one I'm going to uh, read from is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I'm only going to read a short uh, part of that prayer. But listen, listen to this. And again, you, if you want to pray some powerful prayers... Check out these prayers and, and pray them, the whole prayer. And this, this, Paul thought this was important. This is what he was praying for, for, for the church. In uh, Ephesians 1, chapter 15, um, Therefore I also have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Do not, and I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Can you, um, I don't know if I've got that or not, John. Can you go to that next slide? That the God of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the 
in the knowledge of God, that God would give you the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God, in knowing God, that God would open up your heart to see and to know God. The rest of that uh, particular prayer is powerful, but, but see, Paul's praying that they would know God, that they would know God. Let's look at Colossians. Ah, don't read this yet. Let me go back. Don't read that yet. <laughs> let, me, let me read the part before it. You know, I, 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 this is funny. Pastor Norman's got this down to a T. Yeah. I am so technically challenged. But, but God, God I, I, I'm, I'm learning. So bear with me this morning. Amen? So here, here's Paul praying again. Listen, Paul was called to be an apostle. He loved God's church. He loved God's people. And he prayed day and night for these people. Listen, listen to what he says. For this reason, starting in verse 9. This is 1 Colossians verse 9. And we're going to read through 11. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. You know it's good to pray. We do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in, increasing in the knowledge of God. Knowing God, getting to know God better. How do you get to know God better? By spending time with Him. But one of Paul's prayers to the church was that you would increase in your knowledge of Him. That your, your relationship with Him would grow and you would know Him better. As God says, come in and know me better, man. That's what God's saying to you and I. And you know, it's always this. God is always beckoning us, come up higher, come up higher. And I don't, you know, you could be saved uh, one year, you could be saved a hundred years. There's still more to know about God. There's still more to know about God. Amen? So, Paul, at the end, of, towards the end, he's in a, he's in a prison in Philippi, or he's writing to, I should say, he's in Rome, but he's in a prison, and he begins to talk about his worldly accomplishments, and, and he begins to list off all of these things that in that day, what he was, was it was, it was, it was really something else. This guy had the PhDs. He had, he had the kudos. I mean, he, he had the inside track. He was, he was, a, he was a Sanhedrin's... Uh, man, if you will, and they used him to... A, and so he had standing in the community, and I'm sure that he was making great wads of money and all this stuff because of what he was doing, because they were giving him money to go out, actually at the time when he was uh, uh, Saul, to, to persecute Christians. So let's listen to what Paul says about, about this, and you just follow along and listen to it. He begins to talk about all of these accomplishments that, that he had... Uh, done, and then he, he closes with what he thinks about it. So in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3, we're going to go uh, verses 5 through 10. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. What things were gained to me? These things were all gained. These I counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I have also count all things, all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Here I am in prison and count them as rubbish. The King James says dung, garbage, that I may gain Christ. All of these things, all of these things that gave me position and gave me honor and gave me all that the world counts important, I count them as rubbish that I may know Christ, that I may gain and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but, uh, but is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness uh, which is from God by faith, and then says in... Um, Verse 10, all of that is rubbish. Why? That I may know him. What's important to me is knowing God, having a relationship with God. What's important to me is to have that intimate fellowship with my creator. All of that stuff means nothing. What's important is knowing God. Jeremiah. Hi, bud. Jeremiah also contrasts with the world uh, what the world deems important and what God says important. The difference between what, what, what the world declares is important and what God says. And um, so we're going to look at Jeremiah 9, uh, 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. You can interchange glory or boast. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. What does the world count important? Wisdom, might, power, riches. All of these things um, are things that allow you to um, have position. Yeah, I've got, I've got a handkerchief back there. Hey, John, just give me a mute there, will you? Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that looks good. Go ahead, John. Thanks. So... These things, um, here's Jeremiah saying, don't boast about your wisdom, your might, your riches. Don't glory in these things. And then let's see what he goes on to say. Can you uh, go to that next slide there, John? But he, that, uh, he who, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. Guess what? God wants to know you. God wants an intimate relationship with you. 
God wants this, this what, what he had with Adam. That's why Jesus came and died. What, do I want to go to heaven and end up with a God that I don't even know? No, God wants, God longs for fellowship with you, for that intimate relationship with you. A um, couple of uh, more scriptures here, and then we're going to close. Um, John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you. That's eternal life, that we may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. This is an exciting one here. Dan, and Daniel. And I won't go into the, the context of this because there's some terrible things going on, but the latter part of this holds true today. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt, uh, corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Who? The people who know their God. And I believe with all of my heart that we are in a day right now, right now, where God wants to do exploits through you and through me. Amen? And um, I'm going to ask the team to come up, and um, we're going to watch one more video. And, uh, and then today, if this has triggered anything in you today, that you know what? And I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, this is not a question of your salvation. It's just asking the question, where, where's your relationship with God? You know, um, one of the things that would have really helped the old farmer is to try to get some spark back into the relationship. You know, they, they've got, you know, you see young couples now, they got these things they call date, date nights and, uh, and, and things to just keep that, that relationship going to, to, you know, to, to keep the love alive. You know, in, in, in um, Revelation he talks to one of the church. He says, you left your first love. That love. How many remembers when you were first saved and you were head over heels in love with Jesus and it was so awesome and nothing, nothing could go wrong and then life happens. Life happens, amen? Pandemics happen. Elections happen. Things happen. And, and somehow we, we kind of drift along and that spark of the relationship between God wants that. Uh, the, the first song that they sang today, God, I want to be a soul on fire. I want to be a soul on fire. How many today would like to be a soul on fire? Amen. So we're going to watch this last video here, and then we're going to sing a song of worship. I said this last week, and it's so true. Many of the songs that we sing have God's scripture in them, have the word of God in them, or reflect the word of God. And they're like handles that we can grab a hold of and declare. And, and it, for me, worship brings me into God's presence. A lot of times in my time when I'm going to pray or I'm going to read God's word and I want, I want to hear what God's saying, I start out by praising him and by worshiping him and by entering into his presence. And then when I read, it comes alive to me. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to watch one more short video, an awesome video that you've seen here before. You know, I, want, I don't want God to be my spare tire. I just call on him when I have a flat.
I want him to be the steering wheel of my life. I want him to be the one that's steering my life, and I want a relationship with him because I want to hear, and I know you do. I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So after this video, I'm going to ask you if you're able and you're willing, and, and in any way this message has caused you to think, you know what? I could use a little bit more spark in that relationship with God. God that is saying, come in and know me better, man. I could use a little bit more in my relationship with him. And um, just make your way forward and, and just spend a few minutes with us in worship. And then we'll go home and I'm not going to watch that, that Super Bowl, I guess. But, you know, we'll get you in home to, for those that do. Nothing against it. It's just not my, not my thing. Amen. So go ahead and um, roll that last video, and uh, then we'll just enter into worship and worship the Lord, and then we'll go home, uh, with, hopefully with a fresh spark uh, in our hearts for God. Amen.